Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show, where each week I rank movies in a variety of categories, from franchise and subgenre to directors and actors. No film is left unwatched as I break down my top five picks. So join me every Sunday for new episodes and get ready to dive into the world of film with top five from the Ray Taylor show. In this episode, I will be guiding you through another spine tingling episode of top five. And you're expecting some, and if you're expecting some po light content, think again. This episode is going to be nothing but po tastically hair raising. Today, we're diving deep into the crypt of grindhouse gothic. A chilling fusion of Edgar Allan Poe's haunted tales and Roger Corman's legendary B-movie magic. Imagine the meeting. Poe, the raven-clad scribe of American darkness. And Corman, the maverick who could produce cinematic brilliance on a shoestring. A collaboration so eclectic it would make a Frankenstein flinch. In the eerie twilight between 1960 and 1964, Corman breathed life into these poetic nightmares, drawing us into a world where the line between the macabre and the marvelous is blurred. With avant-garde experiments in color, light, and shadows, these films set our pulses racing while also pleasing the art critic within. And who could ever forget the master of gothic grandeur, the prince of the paranormal, Vincent Price. Appearing in seven of these eight wicked wonders, Price proved why he's cinema's go-to ghoul, chewing through the scenery with devilish delight. So if, you're, if you've been possessing the thought of a cinematic journey, I've got you covered. Prepare to have your minds po-blown as I rank the top five films where exploitation meets exhilaration. And now, without further ado, let's unpo the lid off these masterpieces. Buckle up, cinephiles. It's going to be a raven good time. So this is The Grindhouse Gothic is a collection of movies that are available on Criterion right now where director Gorman, Roger Corman directed a bunch of movies inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. And I wanted to watch them because you know, I just sounded like a, a very interesting pairing bunch of movies I have never seen. So let's do this. And these are my top five from that collection, sharing with you movies that maybe you want to check out. Starting off with number five is The Haunted Palace. This came out in 1963, starring Vincent Price, Deborah Paget, and Lon Chaney Jr. While the title is taken from an Edgar Allan Poe film, poem, I should say, the film is actually based more on the novella 
The Chase of Charles Dexter Ward by P.H. Lovecraft. The blend of Poe and Lovecraft adds an interesting dimension to Corman's series of Poe adaptations. In this movie, the story is set in the village of Arkham, Massachusetts. Charles Je Dexter Ward, played by Vincent Price, inherits a mansion after the death of his great-great-grandfather, Joseph Kerwin. Kerwin was buried and burned by villagers 110 years prior because he was suspected of witchcraft. Upon arriving at the village with his wife, Ward finds the mansion, also known as the palace, to be haunted. Ward becomes possessed by the spirit of Kerwin, his great-great-grandfather, and begins to carry out the evil sorcerer's plans to seek revenge on the descendants of those who executed him. The tale unravels with dark magic, revenge, and horrifying transformations. The film, like other Corman-directed movies of its time, is notable for its atmospheric set design, chilling score, and powerhouse performances by Vincent Price. While The Haunted Palace was made on a relatively low budget, it showcases Corman's ability to achieve a lush and gothic ambience. Vincent Price's dual role playing both the innocent Charles and the sinister Kerwin allowed him to demonstrate his wide-ranging acting capabilities. The theme of possession and duality, a reoccurring one in gothic literature, is brought to the fore effectively in this movie. For fans of horror cinema, The Haunted Palace stands as a testament to the period in the 1960s when studios were churning out atmospheric, story-driven horror films as opposed to the gore-centric ones that become more popular in later decades. This one was a lot of fun. Definitely had a bigger feel to the other ones. Also an interesting premise. Clearly felt, it definitely had a different feel to it. So the uh, addition of the Lovecraft, P.H. Uh, Lovecraft, to the story uh, definitely shines through. So for all those reasons... Is why I liked it enough to be on this list at number five, The Haunted Palace. Moving on to my fourth favorite film from the Grindhouse Gothic series. This is one. This is one of the early ones that just stuck with me and stayed on the list, but is now here at number four. That coming in at number four is The Pit and the Pendulum. This one came out in 1963, based on the short story of the same name by Edgar Allan Poe. It stars Vincent Price, again, a figure synonymous with the horror genre of the era. This movie, while Poe's original story is a brief but intense exploration of terror, Corman's film adaptation expands on the narrative to create a full-length feature. The film is set in the 16th century Spain, and begins with Francis Bernard, played by John Kerr, traveling to the foreboding castle of his brother-in-law, Nicholas Medi uh, Medi Medina. Nicholas Medina, played by Vincent Price, uh, to negotiate the mysterious death, or to uh, investigate, I should say, the mysterious death of his sister Elizabeth, 
played by Barbara Steele. As Bernard delves deeper into the circumstances of Elizabeth's death, he learns about the traumatic events that scarred Nicholas in his childhood. Nicholas's father, Sebastian Medina, was an agent of the Spanish Inquisition and had a torture chamber which included the dreaded pendulum uh, inside the castle itself. It's revealed that Nicholas witnessed his father entombing his adulterous wife, played by Nicholas, uh, his, Nicholas's mother, I should say, uh, entombed his adulterous wife, who was Ni Nicholas's mother, and her lover alive. He entombed both of them. He witnessed that. The trauma from his past and the eerie events surrounding Elizabeth's death drive Nicholas to the brink of madness. As the story unfolds, there are twists, betrayals, and the horrifying use of the titular torture device. Which, if you've ever seen it, it's the giant blade that swings like a pendulum back and forth, sawing somebody in half, slowly. The Pit and the Pendulum was the second of Corman's Poe adaptations, following the success of House of Usher that came out in 1960. The film is notable for its atmospheric tension, enhanced by Les Baxter's musical score and the lavish, moody set designs. Vincent Price's performance is a highlight as he masterfully portrays a man tormented by his past and teetering on the edge of sanity. The movie doesn't strictly adhere to Poe's original story, but captures its spirit of dread and psychological horror. Corman's decision to expand the narrative beyond Poe's original short story was a practical one, making the tale suitable for a feature-length film. However, despite these additions, the movie manages to maintain the essence of Poe's exploration of fear and the human psyche. For fans of classic horror, The Pit and the Pendulum remains an iconic classic showcasing the collaborative magic of Roger Corman and Vincent Price during their Poe adaptation series. This one was great. The twist of seeing how it all got there and what happens at the end. There's a great twist at the end uh, I really liked. And for all those reasons, as well as everything else I said, Coming in at number four is Pit and the Pendulum. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about Attention, attention all, all Ray, Ray Taylor, Taylor Show, Show fans. fans! We're excited to announce we've just released a line of exclusive merchandise featuring original artwork inspired by the show. Our high-quality shirts and biodegradable phone cases are a perfect way to show your support for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus, with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor Show merchandise today. And now, let's get back to the show. Moving on to number three, this movie highlights something that is very common in a lot of these movies. It is the fear of being buried alive on accident. Back in the day, when science wasn't as scientific and medicine wasn't as scientific, uh, it was hard for people to know if somebody was dead or not. 
and burying somebody was kind of a gamble in a lot of ways, uh, where people were buried by accident. The term rest in peace comes from this time when they hoped you would literally be resting in peace instead of waking up in your coffin, scratching and trying to get out. Uh, so much so that back in the day they used to attach bells to tombstones so and have a string that went into the coffin. So if you woke up, you could ring the bell and somebody can come get you. That is a common theme in many of these movies. And specifically in this one, coming in at number three, is the premature burial. Right there in the title. Uh, this came out in 1962. Uh, it's one of the entries in Corman's series of films, blah, as all these are. Unlike many of the other films in this series, the premature burial initially did not star Vincent Price, who was uh, who had become synonymous with Corman and Poe's uh, adaptations. Instead, the lead role went to Ray Milland. Ray Milland. Uh, in this film, it revolves around the character of Guy Carroll, or Carell, played by Ray Milland, uh, an aristocrat with morbid with a morbid obsession. He is haunted by the fear of being buried alive, a phobia stemming from his belief that his father was mistakenly uh, interned while still alive. This fear intensifies after he witnesses an uh, exhumation. A body was exhumed where the corpse appeared to have suffered a premature burial. As the story progresses, Guy marries his beloved Emily, played by Hazel Court, but his obsession grows. He designs a tomb equipped with emergency escape mechanisms to prevent himself from suffering a horrifying fate uh, that he fears. However, his paranoia becomes increasingly pronounced and he starts to distance himself from Emily and the outside world. As with many of Corman's Poe adaptations, there are twists, suspense, and gothic elements uh, aplenty, leading to a cinematic revelation about the root of Guy's intense phobia. The premature burial is noteworthy because it's the only film in Corman's uh, Poe cycle that didn't initially star Vincent Price, who was unavailable to other uh, commitments. Ray Milland took on the lead role and delivered a compelling performance, capturing the growing dead, capturing the, the growing dead and the descent into madness experienced by his character. The film retains the lavish atmospheric set design and moody visual characteristics of Corman's Poe series. The theme of being buried alive is a deeply primal fear, and the movie taps into this effectively, making it uh, a suspenseful viewing experience. In summary, The Premature Burial stands as another successful entry in Corman's adaptation of Poe's work. While it might be a bit overshadowed by other films in the series that starred Vincent Price, it's worthy chilling exploration into the human, uh, into one of humanity's most deeply rooted fears. Uh, and I didn't even realize that it wasn't Vincent Price. I thought it was, uh, but it's great. Uh, 
thinking back to it, I kind of like, oh, yeah, it wasn't Vincent Price. But I love it. His whole setup of all of the ways he will get out if he's accidentally buried or uh, entombed while he's still alive uh, is is pretty great. Like so many redundancies that uh, it seems weird that anything could ever happen. Great movie. I really enjoyed it. And my favorite, I think, of the movies that feature being buried alive as a a, a big part of the movie, uh, which is uh, pretty common in a lot of the, the movies in this series. Uh, but coming in at number three is the premature burial. Moving on to number two, my second favorite of the series of the uh, grindhouse gothic series of roger corman of edgar Allan poe's work this is by far the most different tonally F- tonally so different and at first i didn't like it but as it went on i liked it more and more and l- ended up loving it and that's why it's here at number two so coming in at number two is the raven came out in 1963 this is a horror comedy The comedic aspect is something that took a while for me to warm up to, but I really did enjoy it. It's one of Corman's series of films, adaptations, inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe, but it takes significant liberties with the source material. Instead of adhering to the somber and mournful tone of Poe's poem, the film is a tongue-in-cheek blend of horror and comedy. And the film is set in the 15th century, it begins with the sorcerer, Dr. Uh, Erasmus, Erasmus Craven, played by Vincent Price. So it's like sorcerer, like people that called themselves doctors, which that's all you had to do to be a doctor back in the day. You didn't actually have to get a degree. You didn't have to go to school. You didn't have to learn anything. You just had to call yourself a thing, right? Which is something you can't do with anything anymore for good reason. But all these sorcerers that are in this, which magic is a big part of it, they all call themselves doctors. So you have Dr. Erasmus Craven, played by Vincent Price, who's mourning the loss of his wife, Lenore. While he's in his uh, melancholic state, a raven visits him. However, it isn't an ordinary bird. The raven transforms into a fellow magician, Dr. Bedlow, played by Peter Lorre who explains that he was turned into a raven by the powerful sorcerer Dr. Scarabus, played by Boris Karloff. Craven restores Bedlow to his human form, and the pair, uh, accompanied by Craven's daughter and Bedlow's son, decide to confront Scarabus. As the story pro- progresses, it becomes clear that Lenore, played by Hazel Court, might not be dead but instead is under some form of enchantment or scheme related to Scarabus. The climax features a duel of magic between Craven and Scarabus filled with visual gags and humorous exchanges. I loved the magic duel in this movie. So much fun. The Raven is especially notable for its star-studded cast of horror icons, Aside from Vincent Price, the film boasts talents of Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre. Additionally, this movie has a young Jack Nicholson who plays the role of uh, Rexford Bedlow, Dr. Bedlow's son. 
I was watching is like that looks like is that Jack Nicholson looked it up yes it was kind of crazy to see a very young Jack Nicholson uh, but he adds another layer of interest to many film enthusiasts which he definitely did for me uh, the comedic approach to the material was a departure from the more straightforward horror adaptations that Corman had been producing. The film pokes fun at many of the gothic horror tropes and the interactions, especially between Price, Laurie, and Karloff, are filled with wit and playful banter. While the film's title and some elements are derived from, from Poe's quote-unquote The Raven, the narrative is largely original. The film sh uh, should be approached more as a whimsical take on a gothic horror theme rather than a faithful adaptation of Poe's poem. In summary, the 1963 The Raven stands as a unique entry in Corman Poe series, offering viewers a delightful mix of horror and humor, further enriching <clears throat> further enriched by the performances of the legendary cast. The change in tone and the use of the magic were two of the main aspects of this movie that I ranked this movie where it is for me. I love the differences in it. I love that it took a more comedic take, especially after there's a lot of the, the movie, especially the early ones in this series, really feel like there are so many beats that are almost exactly the same. The themes of being buried alive and somebody showing up to a, a castle or a mansion or a thing. Like, the first few that I watched, like, how different are these going to be? Uh, so they do get different, very different, and this one was the most different, and that's why coming in at number two, for me, is The Raven. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to promote, are you looking for a way to take your love of The Ray Taylor Show to the next level? Look no further than Inspire Disorder Plus. As a member, you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks, including the full week of shows, ad-free in both audio and video versions, a live painting archive, early access to the many faces, members-only discounts and deals, a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes. But that's not all. As a member, you'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing. You'll also get Get the chance to ask me anything you want with all of these benefits and more inspire disorder plus is a must-have for any fan of the ray taylor show so don't wait go sign up now head on over to inspiredisordercom plus and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership and now let's get back to the show moving on to my favorite grindhouse gothic film from robert corman's adaptations of edgar Allan poe's work coming in at number one this was the most fun the biggest it felt the biggest the most interesting this is by far far and away my favorite of the series stands out by far as my favorite by far by far by far so great Coming in number one is The Mask of the Red Death. And mask spelled like masquerade, M-A-S-Q-U-E. The Mask of the Red Death. This came out in 1964. Vincent Price plays the role of Prince Prospero, a cruel and debauched nobleman. 
set in medieval Italy, the countryside uh, being ravaged by a lethal plague known as the Red Death. Prospero, upon witnessing the effects of the plague on a village, orders it to be burned down and takes a woman named Francesca, played by Jane Asher, back to his castle against her will. Separating her from her lover and her father in his castle, Prospero holds uh, decadent feasts and entertains a court of perverse nobles. All while the Red Death continues to devastate the land outside, the prince worships Satan and believes that this alliance of, to evil will protect him from the plague. As part of his blasphemous uh, revelries, Prospero plans a masquerade ball. The climax of the story occurs during the ball when a mysterious red-robed figure appears. Uh, the presence of this figure and the ensuing events lead to a chilling and moralistic conclusion about life, death, and fate. One of the standout features of the Mask of the Red Death is the vivid use of color, especially red, which Corman uses to dramatic effect. The cinematography by Nicholas Rogue is particularly atmospheric and lends to a dreamlike quality to the film. The film touches upon themes of life, death, fate, and the nature of evil. Prospero's phil philosophical uh, conversations with the red-robed figure delve into existential and moral questions. Vincent Price's performance, as with many of Corman po Corman's Poe adaptations, Vincent Price delivers a standout performance. His portrayal of Prince Prospero is both menacing and nuanced, capturing the depth of a character who is at once evil and yet philosophically uh, introspective. While the core of Poe's original story is maintained, Corman and screenwriter Charles Beaumont added multiple subplots and characters to flesh out the narrative for a feature-length film. Some elements from another Poe's tale called Fop Frog were also incorporated into the film. In summary, The Mask of the Red Death is one of Roger Corman's more visually and thematically ambitious Poe adaptations. The most, in my opinion. This, this, it stands out not just for its haunting visuals, but also for its exploration of profound themes and moral quandaries. This one, as I said, the clear standout for me. Bigger cast, bigger ideas, great twist interesting characters so much to love about this film it is a must watch out of this entire film this one out of this entire series this one is a must watch i would say is the one i would hands down recommend out of the entire series even though there are many and my list i would say is the the go-to list for the corman poe mashup um but this one by far my favorite, coming in at number one, The Mask of the Red Death. Honorable mentions. One, another one that I liked that was on the list until the very end uh, was called Tales of Terror, which is an anthology. There's three short stories in it. I really liked it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, one of which has some comedy in it. Um, and was almost on the list, but got knocked off at the very end. 
but honorable mention nonetheless, Tales of Terror. Uh, let me recap my list one more time and we will get out of here. This is my top five movies that are part of the Grindhouse Gothic series of movies of Roger Corman's adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe work. Starting off with number five is The Haunted Palace. Number four is The Pit and the Pendulum. Number three is The Premature Burial. Number two is The Raven. And my number one favorite movie from the Grindhouse Gothic series of films is The Mask of the Red Death. You can check all of these movies out right now on Criterion Channel. They are great. I'm glad I got to watch it. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Top 5 from the Ray Taylor Show. I do hope you enjoyed my rankings and insights and analysis on my top five picks of Grindhouse Gothic series of films. Let me know how you would rank these movies when you see them, if you've seen them. Maybe is there one that I should reconsider, uh, but I'm pretty solid on my list. Regardless, uh, let me know how you would rank them. Uh, and uh, join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on youtube.com slash inspired disorder. Make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, all these videos, all these episodes are available in video format. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday for an all new episode. See you again next week for more top five. <laughs> Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.